Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is Margaret McSweeney, your host here on webtalkradio.net, and I am so glad you have dropped by my kitchen today. We have an incredible show, and I am so excited to meet, for you to meet, uh, the most wonderful guest today, Katie Workman. She is quite accomplished in all things culinary. Um, she has just released her uh first book, The Mom 100 Cookbook, and she is the founder, founding editor-in-chief of Cookster.com. I can't wait to share with you about that, and also she has such a heart for charity and is even coming to a wonderful event to benefit WINGS, Women in Need Growing Stronger, here in the Chicago area on April 27th, so we'll definitely talk some about that, but I just want to, to just Thank you so much for, for being in my kitchen today, listeners. Uh, it just means a lot to, to have you here. And as a little thank you, uh, because we have such a special guest on today, um, send me uh, an email at Margaret. Margaret at MargaretMcSweeney.com or leave a comment on the post and you will have a chance to win Katie Workman's new book, The Mom 100 Cookbook. Uh, For those dads out there and men out there listening, we are going to talk food and I think you can learn quite a bit from this conversation as well. So um, we're going to talk all sorts of fun things. So thanks again for joining us. Katie Workman, welcome to Kitchen Chat. It is such an honor to have you here. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh, this is fun. You have such an impressive and um, diversified background uh, within uh, culinary publishing um, as well as starting your own ventures and in, in, um the the kitchen. Um, First, I'd love for the listeners to learn more about cookster.com and it's C-O-O-K-S-T-R.com. This is such a cutting edge of, you know, of online resources and I applaud you and your team of of editors and and coming up with this uh, collection of cookbooks online where you have organized the world's best cookbooks and recipes and have made them universally accessible. How did this come about? And can you share with our listeners about that? Sure. Well, boy, you did a great job describing it. That was, that was very impressive. Um, um, the way it came about is um, my partner, Will Schwalbe, uh, and I were both publishing veterans. And along with a third partner, Art Chang, we decided that the um, that the really some of the best recipes in the entire world are locked up in cookbooks. And up until um, we started Cookster, everybody was very uh, understandably anxious about releasing them online. So what we did was we created a site and drew upon all of our connections in the world of cookbook publishing, which you know we had both been in the industry, Will and I, for the better part of two decades. And um, 
we formed relationships with the publishers and the authors, whom we already knew, of course, mm -hmm. and created what in essence was an aggregation of, of the, the best recipes from the best cookbooks. And we, um, everybody was very pleased to be in the company of each other because it was sort of, you know, the, the quality of all the recipes, which are tested, trusted recipes. They've been through the publishing process, which means they are written by professionals. They've been edited by professional editors. And because of that, um, you know these recipes are going to work. And right. the selection is vast because we were able to draw upon virtually, um, you know, every cookbook that's been published, the new ones and the older ones. And we, um, we culled a selection of recipes from hundreds and hundreds of cookbooks and we're adding oh. new ones every single day. And um, we have, you know, cookbooks for the expert, uh, recipes for expert cooks, recipes for beginner cooks, because again, cookbooks, um, you know, there, there are cookbooks for everybody. So therefore we have recipes for everybody. And so that's how the site came to be, and we're delighted with the response to it. And we um, we also work with other partner websites like AARP and Bravo, Shape Magazine, and we have um, recipes from our site available on those sites as well. So it's really it, it continues to evolve, but. Um, uh, the other part of Cookster that's unique besides having all these recipes online together in one place for the first time is the search engine that we created from the ground up. And the search engine is very, very detailed. So it allows you to search for recipes using whatever criteria you want to use that day. So you might be looking for an easy, inexpensive weeknight recipe featuring chicken or you might be looking for a summery crunchy alfresco recipe that can be made in one pot and can be made ahead and regardless of how you're thinking about cooking something and what you're looking for you can use those kinds of search terms to find the recipe that's just right for you this sounds like the perfect answer for all levels of home cooks. And I especially like the idea, you know, you can just open up your pantry and say, okay, what ingredients do I have in there? Have I even, you know, I haven't had a ta chance to go to the grocery store. And you can just kind of plug in some of those ingredients and it just, voila, comes up with a dish. Yeah, you can type in, you can say, you know, uh, salmon, scallions, soy sauce. And then it will give you a selection of dishes, and then you can refine your search by saying, I want this to be one hour or less. I want this to be of a moderate skill level. I want this to be kid-friendly. You can continue to modify your search so that the search process hones in on just the right recipe for you. This is incredible. I did not realize it goes into that detail with the search engine. What a fabulous resource for home cooks. Cookster.com. Everyone check that out. And um, I also noticed that you're, you won, is it a Webby reward, a Webby award or something for being one of the top websites. Congratulations. Yeah, we've had some nice, nice response and some nice honors. It's been, it's been a real, uh, very gratifying. 
Oh, that's terrific. And it's also really neat, too, how these um, cookbook authors basically contribute a couple of their tested recipes. And then you have a link if you if you really like to, you know, like the recipe, like that um, chef or like the cookbook to actually purchase it online. Do you have links to that as well? Yes, absolutely. You can you can purchase the the cookbooks are always very strongly featured, so everyone knows where the recipes come from, mm-hmm. and um, you can purchase the books from the online retailer of your choice. And every every contributor, every chef and cookbook author also has a bio page on the site, which sort of functions as a mini website for them. And if they have other web presence, the bio will link to that website wherever they wish it to link to. But you can learn a little bit more about the chefs and the authors who are behind the recipes. That is so neat. And it's really like virtually having all these chefs in the kitchen with you and, and, and walking you through the recipes and, and all of that. That is terrific. Congratulations on creating such an incredible resource. And I can't wait to see uh, the additional growth of that because I think you have reached a real need, you know, of home cooks, no matter how much training they've had or level just to be able to to use this as a great resource and kind of as a sampling to see if they like a particular uh, cookbook they've been considering purchasing and have a chance to try out some of those recipes. So that is so great. Now, by way of background, have you been professionally trained as a home chef? Did you go into any culinary school or, or has it just been acquired throughout the years? It's really just been acquired throughout the years. I was one of those kids who loved to cook, and I was also was a kid who loved cookbooks. And like like many people, um, I used to read cookbooks like books. I just would completely get immersed in them, and I really um, loved everything about the kitchen. And when I graduated from college, I got a job as an assistant editor in a at a cookbook house, um, well, at a publishing house that specialized in cookbooks, amongst other things. So I had the chance to learn about cookbook editing, and um, I became a cookbook editor. And so that's I did that for the better for over 12 years. I edited cookbooks, and in doing so, I learned even more about cooking because, you know, and, and reading these recipes and seeing how people put things together, and then. Um, you know how things get written and how things are presented. That's that's. I taught myself how to cook. My mom was a very good cook, and I definitely grew up in a house where food was central to all things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of taught myself more about cooking through cookbooks. That is, and to edit a, I never thought about that angle in terms of editing a cookbook. I mean, what goes on in terms of editing one? Do you have to make sure the measurements are right or is that done in conjunction with a test kitchen or how does one edit a cookbook? Well, um, the 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 uh, quality of the recipes or the, the, the fact that the recipes, of course, have to work and work well, right. the author is really responsible for that. So, and that's, that's true in all publishing, um, all cookbook publishing. But having said that, you, as an editor, um, you know, with experience, you're trained to, to look at things and you'd say, hmm, that seems like it's a long time to cook fish. Wouldn't it dry out? Or that seems like a lot of garlic. So you, you do get, you get comfortable and familiar enough to know what kinds of questions to ask. So part of what the editorial process is, is reading the recipes. Do they make sense? Do they seem like they're going to work properly? 
Um, are the directions clear? And the other part of cookbook editing is, you know, is is this is this a good idea? Is this is this is this a book people want? Is this a book people need? Are the recipes in the book reflective of what people will be wanting when they purchase the cookbook? Is the writing engaging? Does the voice of the author come through and you know and, and engage the reader? And and do the does the author have a point of view? And are they expressing that in a concise and and thoughtful way? So there's there's a lot of pieces to it. And then of course there's you know the decisions about design, decisions about photography. Um, and, uh, you know, the way the book is, is packaged and presented. And have you seen any change of trends in terms of what goes into a cookbook these days? And I don't know. I hear, you know, sometimes now and then, oh, well, the actual cookbooks themselves are, um, I guess, not as, um, I don't know, uh, not as attractive these days in terms of purchasing when you can go online. What are you kind of hearing in terms of of those trends? Well, I am a firm believer in, in books, and I'm a firm yes. believer in cookbooks, and that's obviously because I just wrote one. Yes, and we'll talk about that. So, you know, really, I, it just, I think, first of all, the cookbook market has actually stayed quite steady mm-hmm. um, as a, as a uh, sub, subdivision of the publishing industry. The cookbook market has been very strong. Um, certainly, a lot of cookbooks these days, a lot of the best-selling ones are driven by the name of the person who wrote it, and you know, the celebrity of the person who wrote it. And, you know, it, it, for a while it was very much, um, you know, a, a TV celebrity that was driving the sales of a book. But now what's interesting is going back to your point about online is that bloggers are starting to write books and really great cookbooks because, and they've, they've sort of learned their chops by writing online and then now are working with publishers because um, they want to have a book presence. And books are, and especially cookbooks, books are, are really wonderful gifts. And you cannot give somebody something online. And there is something so tactile about a book, obviously, and especially ones that are beautifully designed and beautifully photographed. Um, you know, that there's something about holding that in your hands and, and being able to peruse it. And another thing that I think is very true about cookbooks is that you can't, when you have a collection of recipes online, which I obviously also believe in, right. you, you have wonderful capacities for search. You have wonderful capacities to find a, a, from a wide variety of recipes, find just what you're looking for. But when you read a cookbook or you have a cookbook in your hand, even if you're not reading it cover to cover, you are getting a bigger picture of, of the kind of food that the author is presenting to you. And there's a story in a cookbook. The cookbook is a story. And when you take recipes and you part to individual units, you lose that. Right, right. No, I, I definitely um, think you have such valid points. And it makes a difference, I think, in the kitchen to physically be able to hold the book and turn the page and what was that ingredient and instead of referring um, to um, the, uh, the, the website. Can you hear me okay? 
Yes, fine. Oh, okay, because we just had an audio problem. Sorry about that, listeners. I'm recording for the first time via Skype, so thanks for your patience and listening here. And speaking of cookbooks, a great segue into your own cookbook, which is absolutely fabulous, The Mom 100 Cookbook. And it is a delicious read. It, it's And speaking of stories, I, I, I get the sense that you're quite a storyteller here, and I love your techniques of of telling the story and your little side notes, a handwritten note. You can dial the spiciness up or down as you like and, and little notes in the margin. It's, it's just so well done. And what inspired you to write a cookbook for moms? It was, um, it was sort of the idea came in, 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 in essence in the form of the title. I just thought, wouldn't it be great to have a, a, cookbook that contained a hundred recipes, a hundred go-to recipes that every mom needs in her back pocket. And I just thought the mom 100 and it sort of just clicked in my brain as a title and a concept. And, um, right, right at that time I, I sort of went, huh, that's, that's interesting. And I, you know, I hadn't planned to write a cookbook at that, at that point in time, or maybe at all. But, um, one of my dear friends who is the cookbook editor at Workman Publishing is an extraordinary editor. She's edited everything from the Silver Palette cookbooks to Stephen Reichland's Barbecue Bible series and the Cake Mix Doctor books. And she took me out to lunch and she said, I, I think you should write a cookbook. And I said, well, I actually just had this idea. And I told her the idea and she said, I love it. And I, two years later, here we are. And I love it too. And no matter if you are a mom or not a mom or an empty nester, I mean, there are just some fabulous recipes. And I especially appreciate your fork in the road concept because both of my daughters are vegetarian. And uh -huh. I just, could you talk a little bit about the whole fork in the road concept? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm. You're right in that it, it is called the Mom 100 Cookbook, and it's filled with tips for cooking for kids and picky eaters and so forth. But these are recipes that anybody would in, could love. I mean, if if you like, you know, pasta with meatballs and soy ginger chicken and brownies, then the recipes are for you. But um, the fork in the road concept is the idea that you can cook a recipe up to a certain point and then separate out part of the food so that it's simple and plain for some of the pickier eaters or the less adventurous eaters at your table. And then you keep going with the recipe, adding spices or seasonings, maybe heat, so that it becomes more sophisticated. And then that appeals to the more sophisticated eaters at your table. So you're making one recipe, you're making one meal, and everyone's sharing one meal, but you're reaching uh, different people with different palates. And so everybody's happy at the table. Yes, and speaking of palates, I'm quite impressed with kind of the more sophisticated spices and um, sauces that you are introducing. The and pardon my pronunciation. Um, I don't know. Is it ho hoisin sauce? Or? Oh, okay. Um, one of your recipes um, or several of those include hoisin sauce. Um, how has that have do? And it's kid tested. Do your do your children enjoy <laughs> hoisin? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every all the ingredients in the book, every single one of them can be bought in the supermarket. These are really really accessible ingredients. And um, 
Poisonous sauce is actually, um, you know, it's, it's a sort of slightly sweet, tiny bit spicy sauce that is used in a lot of Chinese cooking. So most kids really love Asian flavors. And so um, so I, I use just a little bit of it. And you can use more if you have people who are, you know, into a little bit more flavor or heat. But it's really, it's really actually um, a flavor that, that kids enjoy. And it's made from sugar and soybeans, a little bit of vinegar and garlic. And it's, it is a little sweet and a little spicy and a little salty. Hmm. And, and that's a great way to introduce kids to international cuisines and, and different tastes. And I just wish that this book had been around, you know, 18 years ago when I started parenting and in the kitchen. I'm and like, I'm hearing that quite a bit. I'm hearing that there's some people who wish they could turn that off. But, uh, Again, this is, you know, I mean, I cook these recipes even when I'm cooking for adults. So there's there's no reason not to, to continue to enjoy them. Yes, and I um, uh, humorously uh, insert where you have on the column, and once again, it's a great concept, what the kids can do, yeah. and insert what your husband can do. <laughs> That's right. That's right, exactly. And then I love, too, how you make it so practical. I mean, this is just a great resource. The make ahead, you know, the certain things you you definitely need to um, have. Uh, the first part about the five basic tips for getting your kids to to eat more things. Um, ama- 17 amazing ingredients mm-hmm. and uh, with olive oil being in there. What do you think, what have you found to be your most amazing ingredient um, that, that really is essential? And Well, I mean, I, ha- I have to say that these, the 17 that I listed are all there, each one for a very good reason, and I almost, I can't imagine my home without any one of them, but I would say that um, olive oil and salt are really, you know, you can, if, you can make dinner from almost anything if you have olive oil, olive oil and salt. Huh. That I will remember that when I'm staring at the <laughs> the refrigerator <laughs> and say, "What do I do?" Yeah, yeah. I also, I love onions. Uh, you know, all, every all the members of the onion family are sort of you know. There's so many great things that just basically begin with chopping up and sautéing some onion or garlic. And uh, I love Dijon mustard. Um, obviously, pasta is a great go-to thing. I love butter. I love eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love citrus, lemons. Yeah, that's true. You know, that is something that a lot of people don't think about. And I think it's it's so – a lemon really does know how to multitask. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Uh, because at the end, when it's all done, you can just kind of squeeze it in the, the garbage uh, disposal and, mm-hmm. and have a nice little – and on a side note, I always like sharing as, – as, as my listeners know, I am probably the world's most horrible cook. But uh, one thing I did learn, if you micro Microwave a lemon for 15 seconds. It makes it more juicy. Yep, it makes it easier to get all the juice out. That's true, and so does. And also, giving it a good firm roll on the counter also okay. does that. Really pressing down and giving it a, a good roll around. That is great. So, so listeners, there's a fabulous 17 um, uh, amazing ingredients, which is a great resource. What? Um, what do you have your kids do in the kitchen? How old are they and how uh, young were they when you got them uh, started in terms of some of the, the kitchen activities? Um, 
Well, my I have two boys. They're ages nine and eleven. Uh, nine and twelve, excuse me. Jack will, would kill me. <laughs> nine and twelve. You're twelve, Jack. Um, and uh, they are really they they do pitch in in the kitchen. They they like it. I think one of the things that um, you know, there's so many amazing reasons to get your kids in the kitchen, and you know, a lot of us, you know, most people know know what they are, and you know, it's everything from you know, understanding more about the food that you're eating and what goes into things so that you have sort of respect for real ingredients and you learn math skills, you learn science skills, you can learn reading skills when you're working with a recipe, you learn how to work as, you know, work with somebody. If you're cooking with somebody, sort of collaboration is an important thing. And the other, the other couple of things that I would also mention is that in a world that is really increasingly virtual, where video games rule the world and you know everything is online, there's something wonderfully tangible and tactile about cooking and producing something that you can see and feel and smell and taste and share with people, and it's 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 really great. Um, and then what also engages kids, my kids in the kitchen, is sort of presenting cooking as a little bit of a science experiment in, in terms of being inventive, you know, what, what happens when you do this? What happens when you turn up the heat? What happens when you, you know, what else could we add to these muffins? What, what do you think would happen if we increase the baking soda? So when you get kids to sort of like engage with it like that, it becomes, you know, again, more like an experiment and less of sort of a, a household task. And that's well said. And I think you just got to the bottom of why am I, I am probably the world's most horrible cook because science was my worst class and I had a science explosion I'll never forget in my eighth grade class with my science partner because I put in some ingredient, I don't know, that made the vial. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> a little while exactly but no um that's a great point in terms of getting the kids involved in the kitchen now what about knives though when it comes to the chopping what do you feel is an age-appropriate um uh time for the kids to start um getting used to some of the utensils that might be sharp and uh, the blending and and all of that what has your experience been yeah the whole safety thing is well Every kid is so different, so I, it's very hard, I think, to sort of suggest a, a, an age bracket for things. And, you know, certain kids are much more attentive than other kids. But um, I think, you know, you just want to – you don't want them to get scared of things. And I think that, you know, teaching them with supervision is really just, you know, a, a, the earlier the better, in my opinion, as long as – you know, obviously, you know, with the caveat that, you know, you're not going to put a four-year-old near a hot stove. But right. I think if, you know, I, 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 you, you just can't walk away. You know, you've got to, right. you, your kid stir something on the stove, you let your kid use a knife, you have got to stand there. And for a long time, um, there are some really great plastics, serrated knives that have um, a good deal of strength to them. I just saw a bunch of them from OXO that were really nice for, um, that are very kid-friendly. And my kid has this green serrated knife that I think came originally in a Play-Doh kit, but oh. he, he always we always called it Charlie's knife because you know it was it was sharp enough to cut you know it was strong enough to cut you know cut across like heads of romaine lettuce or cut softer cheeses that kind of thing and cut tomatoes so and it wasn't sharp enough to cut his fingers so um, you you can find some good good knives out there um, I do let my kids use sharp 
real knives, but you know, with supervision. And it also, it's not just about the knife, it's also about what you're cutting. So for instance, right. the kid's using a sharp knife to cut, um, um, to cut some slices of zucchini, that's one thing, but to cut carrot is another, because that's when, you know, that's very hard and obviously more easily, you're, you can slip more easily. Right. And actually, speaking of um, uh, cutting food, I love your blog, and I want to make sure the listeners have that resource. Is uh, What's it, Mom100? Is that right? themom100.com, and 100 is the number. Yes, I love it. And you have video demonstrations, which I am going to use as a, a resource constantly. I do not know the proper way to cut an avocado. And it is so fabulous how you cube it right there, you know, on the video. And I just think it's a practical resource for new moms and old moms <laughs> like myself to, to get um, a better understanding of the techniques by watching. I just think that's a fabulous resource. And you have recipes and uh, great, great interaction there. So that's a wonderful supplement to your book, which, oh, everyone, I, I highly recommend um, you're going out and getting the Mom 100 cookbook. Um, another fun thing I noticed in the dessert section, of course, I have a huge sweet tooth, <laughs> is that um, I, I never thought about this uh, concept where you turn the, the cakes into cupcakes so you can really um, um, make a smaller portion and, and instead of having a huge cake that <laughs> lots left over to, to make that option available on you know um, so, so what do you what is one of the um, favorite cakes that you do in that way well, I have a, there's a recipe for, you know, a really great classic chocolate cake and a really great classic vanilla cake because, you know, that's, those are, you know, sometimes you are embellishing and looking for something fancy, but more often than not, the choices that the kids want are, and, and that most people want are a great vanilla cake and a great chocolate cake. And yeah, if you're looking for um, cupcakes, you can use the exact same batter, exact same recipe, just bake them up in cupcakes. And if, say, you don't need all of the cupcakes, you can freeze some of the cupcakes, which, um, you know, freezing half a cake is, I guess, a little bit less useful than being able to freeze, you know, 10 cupcakes. Exactly. And put them in the lunchbox the next morning and they can uh, take it to school there. Another fun thing I love, too, about your book is at the end you have a menu section where you divide it into different themes. Mother's Day lunch <laughs> that you hopefully don't have to make. I love your <laughs> annotation there. <laughs> and that includes shrimp cocktail, chicken piccata ed, <laughs> or plain, uh, butterscotch brownies, Father's Day dinner, an Asian vegetarian dinner, Italian party. I, it's just such a great way um, for kids and parents as well to explore the world um, from the taste of food. I, I just, I really applaud you on that. So this, this is great. And also, listeners, oh my goodness, I'm so impressed with your endorsements, Katie, on the back. Bobby Flay, chef of Mesa Grill, uh, Sandra Boynton, uh, Ina Garten, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her. Um, yep, Ina Garten. Okay. And Amanda Hesser, co-founder of Food52.com, um, and also former, New, she was a restaurant 
right? New York Times restaurant. She's a New York Times writer for years and years, and she uh, she also wrote the New York Times cookbook that came out last year. Yes, yes. So, um, I, and this is great. And what's interesting, I mean, because here this is practical. You know, the recipe, the books are filled with practical recipes and guides. Yet there's a gourmet twist to this too, because here these are you know definitely um, you know gourmands who are endorsing your books, and um, I, I just think that's neat. And uh, speaking of that, I, the saffron, I thought that was so interesting that you included um, saffron as a, an ingredient and an introduction to something that is typically included in more of a um, you know. Uh, gourmet type of, of dish. Right. Well, you know, it, saffron is, is, is just an incredibly appealing flavor. And certainly saffron's expensive and, and, you know, not something that one uses every day. But um, the great thing about saffron is that a little bit goes such a long way. So there's a, just a couple of recipes um, which suggest using saffron in them. You can, you know, if you don't have it or you don't wish to use it, you can always leave it out. And, um, you know, but but uh, it's it's the flavor. It has it has sort of an earthiness and a sweetness. The flavor of saffron is so hard to describe. Not just for me, but for everybody's been trying to figure out how to describe it for a long time. But uh, it's it's a a great flavor. And um, you know, but as with all of the recipes in the book, there's a lot of suggestions for variations, for adaptions, for um, you know, for making the recipe your own. So even you know. With most of the recipes have suggestions for ways that you can switch things up to use what you have in your fridge, to use seasonings that your family likes, to use things that you bought home from the farmer's market that day, use some vegetable bin that you're thinking, oh my God, if I don't use this, you know, summer squash today, it's going to be toast. So, <laughs> so it's very practical. And so you have the, yes, you have the elegance of some ingredients like saffron, which um, are really much more kid-friendly than one might assume, but you also have the practicality of being able to keep adapting the recipes and and thinking about cooking in, in a way that works for you. Yes, and I just think it's a wonderful resource, and with the book uh, coupled with your blog, themom100.com, as well as the cookster.com. It's, it's just uh, an incredible trio <laughs> that's a fabulous uh, resource for home cooks, no matter what level you are. Now, um, uh, listeners, I would love, love, love to invite you to come to a fabulous event on April 27th here in the Chicago area. Katie Workman is going to be there and will be doing a demonstration. It's all to benefit Wings, Women in Need Growing Stronger. Um, as many of you know, I'm, I'm very much involved in this charity and, and uh, provides a safe house for women and their children in the Chicago suburbs who are fleeing from domestic violence. So you can come to a delicious event. It's called Taste Takes Flight. There will be lots of chefs and caterers uh, offering uh, samples and, and wine, taste of wine, uh, as well 
well as Katie Workman, who's going to be doing a demonstration and sampling from her book and uh, there to um, uh, sign books as well. So uh, definitely get a copy while you're there. And that's going to be April 27th. And I'll leave a link on uh, the Kitchen Chat website so you'll know how to get tickets and uh, along with um, a link to Katie Workman's new book, um, The Mom 100 Cookbook, a fabulous resource. And speaking of charity, Katie, first of all, thank you so much for coming out to Chicago on April 27th. I'm so excited about this event. I just think it sounds wonderful. I'm really looking forward. Oh, thank you. And and you truly have a heart for charity. I noticed that uh, you're involved with City Harvest and Share Our Strength. Um, could you share a little bit about those charities and, and the work? And they all tie into food, which is really neat and where your heart uh, is. So I just think that's a neat combination. Yeah. Um, well, I've been involved with uh, Share Our Strength, which is a national hunger relief organization whose mission uh, – whose mission is no child hungry and they are trying to eradicate childhood hunger in the next five years by providing much better access to programs where kids can um, have food be available, school programs and creating and making access to programs that take place in the summertime when school's not there. And they're working very closely with, um, with, state the state governments to ensure that this is going to happen and they're a wonderful organization i've been involved with them for a long time i've edited their cookbook i chair their new york events um great great organization they're based out of washington dc and then city harvest is new york's leading food rescue organization and uh i've been on the board of that for over nine years and they uh, work with restaurants and other um, and and uh, food manufacturers to rescue food that might otherwise go um, go bad and distribute it to soup kitchens and shelters and other other places where um, people can get a get a hot meal um, throughout the city and they they are an amazing organization. Oh, well, that is just so admirable. Thank you for your involvement with the charities and and just really nurturing another person's life with that because food does bring about a sense of community. And I think when you share the food and and um, through share our strength and and city harvest you're you're reaching out and not only feeding the physical needs but also just the the emotional needs of of the people who find themselves in that situation so thank you for what what you are doing and in, in terms of charity and and tying tying it in with your love and passion for food and and everything so um, I'll try to also uh, have a link uh, to city harvest as well as share our strength so listeners if this you know these are organizations you're interested in and in getting involved with um, with your own culinary interest and everything we'll, we'll definitely uh, have a link then and, and actually as I recall um, listeners you might remember um, around the holidays I'd interviewed chef Christopher Costo um, who is the the chef at at Meadowood there in Napa and uh, where he had the 12 days of Christmas I don't know if you've heard about 
this one. Um, uh, Katie, it's really neat. Um, he actually has has his chef friends fly from all over the <laughs> the world to to cook each day um, a different uh, recipe and meal, and everything goes to that share our strength. So yeah, yeah. So that's that's a neat. Thing. So I thought it, that had sounded familiar, and I, I just realized why. So, But we'll make sure we put up a, a link again uh, to that wonderful organization. Well, listeners, oh, my goodness, you are in for a treat when you get this Mom 100 cookbook from Katie Workman. And you now know how to find some great resources at cookster.com as well as her blog, themom100.com. Um, and I hope that those in the Chicago area will come. To the Wings event, Taste Takes Flight on April 27th. It's from 11 till 3 at the Meadows Club in Rolling Meadows, and uh, just so much fun. Uh, that's going to be so much fun. Lots of, of great food and and friendship there and also Katie Workman most importantly will will be there and you'll get a chance to get a copy of her book but meanwhile you know as a little thank you to you listeners I am actually going to get a signed copy I'm going to purchase a signed copy of of Katie's book at the event and um, send me a note and the next I guess by May 1st by May 1st if you could just post a comment or send me an email and you'll be entered into the contest to win a copy of Katie's signed book, her new cookbook, The Mom 100 Cookbook. So, Katie, thank you so much for being on Kitchen Chat. This has just been a lot of fun hearing about your culinary adventures and and, and successes. So, congratulations. Thank you. I so enjoyed myself. It was a real pleasure to speak with you. Oh, and I look forward to seeing you soon. And, and yeah, so listeners, please keep in touch. And always remember, take a moment and savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pro Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy. Please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you. So join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.